Do you know, I just don't feel I can go through all this. I'm so sorry. Just, just, if there's anything you see you want, Jenny, please just take it. Oh, thanks, but, um... Oh, uh... Actually, would would you would you mind if I had the laptop? No, it's no. just I borrowed it sometimes, and you know there might be a file on there that I, I might need at some point. Yeah, yeah, there is some files on there actually. Uh, Jenny's saucy pics, I oh. think I saw. Look, don't react. It just encourages him. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. Hello and welcome to episode 284 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street Catcher podcast that played on the escape room on Wednesday and made it to Talk of the Street Towers today with seconds to spare. I'm Gavin. And I feel like I'm in an escape room right now. <laughs> Let me out of here! I don't want to talk about Coronation Street! It's dumb! <laughs> They're scary things. You would have signed this very uh, long waiver. I don't think I don't know if this is true for all escape rooms, because this was my first escape room. Uh-huh. In East Lansing with my workmates. Right. And or co workers. Yes. As they say here. It's supposed to be like team bonding. Team bonding, yeah. But all it does is tell you who in who out of your team is, is the bossy ones is pretty much what the purpose of it. Don't you already know who the bossy ones are? No, it came as a it came as a bit of a surprise. Really? Mm-hmm. Because it's Audrey. No, it's not. Nope, she and I just kind of lingered in the background and because you're the olds and things, yeah, and things just kind of happened. <laughs> I was happy that I had, I was able to make some positive contribution to the whole affair. Mm-hmm. I made two positive contributions to the whole. Yeah, affair. you so stuck I was, something in a hole. I stuck something in a hole and I put uh, three things in a square, <laughs> and that was enough to trigger exciting noises. But yeah, you've got to sign this. <laughs> Yes, it does typically make it does typically trigger a happy, excited noises when you stick something in a hole. One would hope. <laughs> so anyway, this waiver, <laughs> uh, um, you've got to uh, basically release them of all indemnity if the ceiling collapses and kills you. Right, or if there's a fire and you're locked in, you're uh, you're waiving all your rights for or your family's rights i guess because you're dead right and there was something about this could be panic inducing and right. anxiety inducing if you're not used to confined spaces this room i think was designed for maybe teams of three or four and there uh-huh. were seven of us in it wow so it was a little cramped mm-hmm. but there's enough room that you could kind of spread out but uh yeah it was it was very good fun that's good i thought watching taskmaster would have helped me <laughs> You know, looking under tables for clues and right. things like that, but none of it really did. Aww. None of the, the clues that we found really made an awful lot of sense. It was all kind of trial and error. Right. Or maybe we just missed everything, but we escaped with nine minutes to go, so yeah, we thought that was all right. Yeah. You're like, I'm going to stick something in this hole. And it worked. Well, it was the the notch in the hole that I stuck my thing in. <laughs> I had a little... Had a little point at the top of it. Right. Typically uh, does. I, and I thought it looked like the gun in the sight. And sure enough, slotted it in. And wouldn't you know it, 
Oh, it purred with delight. As this just just spread open. The doors the doors just spread open. Releasing the next clue. <sighs> you alright? <laughs> We're having technical difficulties, we'll be right back. All over the wall. <laughs> I didn't. Oh I didn't. It was co-workers. Damn it! They fire me for that. You work in HR. Oh, yeah. Just to make it worse. How are you this week? <laughs> well, I think some of it got on my glasses. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, so I'm fifty. Powerful release. <laughs> anyway. Oh, Start as you mean to go on filth, filth. We are just filthy, filth. filthy people. Um, yeah, it's good. I finished cataloging the auction, Hooray. so I'm really happy about that. Oh, hold oh. on. Auction talk. Hey, <laughs> stop it. Ugh. Yes. Yeah. So. So the auction is cataloged. So Monday, I just have to renumber some lots, move some things around in the order, and write the introduction. And then Tuesday, physically go around and change the numbers on the lots. And then I'm done. I am free until January 2nd. Well, hey. Woohoo! I've got an extra couple of days to work on top of that. But, um, yeah, Sucks we'll to be, be you. Yeah, it does. <laughs> we'll be ready to... Uh, Head east on the on the twenty second, back the day after Boxing Day, ish or Boxing Day, something like that, wasn't it? Aren't we leaving Boxing Day? I think so. Yes. Yes. Talks are underway as to whether we're doing a podcast next week. If we are doing one, it'll be a shortened one, right? Like two like, episodes. Like doing Monday, Wednesday, and I think I'd like to do that because otherwise we're doing seven hours and one and one sitting again, which sucks. It's a lot of Coronation Street. Some would say. Too much, too much Cor- Coronation, Coronation Street. Street. Yeah. You know what? Mm. Three episodes is too much Coronation Street. I'm really looking forward to the half hours. Oh, the half hours will be nice. Yeah, that's what a mm-hmm. soap opera should be. Yes. Half an hour. And and we get our Bethany back. Oh, well. I'm not looking forward to that. Really? I don't like her. I don't like her character. I was quite glad when she left. I, I, the, I was pleased that she... Uh, Kind of took the piss out of Daniel a little bit before she left. Right, but yeah, but now she's going to come back and be all, like, defensive of Daniel and stuff. Yeah. Maybe that feels like, yeah, that feels like a step backwards for that character, doesn't it? Yeah, she was supposed to be going off to that London to, right. to get a, a journalistic career and put Weatherfield behind her and right. never be seen again kind of thing. And, and now whoop, she, there she is. Now she's she's back for... More failed journalist, Daniel. <laughs> right. Failed. Yeah, I'm not sure how much I'm looking forward to that. But anyway. It'll be interesting. We will we will work something out. And if you see an episode drop Wednesday, Thursday, just act surprised. <gasps> I'll be surprised. Shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please. Give us some of that festive Corey news. 
We still don't know why Aggie has gone missing, but at least now we know why we've seen less of Alia. Oh, yes. Yes. Sire Khan has announced she's expecting her first child, and she looks absolutely gorgeous she in the does. pictures released. She does. She's quite far gone. Yeah. Which is surprising. It's a, it's a three-month thing, right? So right. She, when she's in the show, it's kind of three months ago, so... I don't. I didn't even notice that she was covering her bump up, or right. if she had strategically placed furniture, or or whatever. Like she's behind the counter an awful lot. Was she? She I was. N- this I week. never really noticed. But yeah, good news for her. That's her first baby, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and her her partner has been having some, you know, health issues with this non benign tumor. Oh dear God! In his pelvis that has been removed, but apparently has since spread to his lungs. So. It's benign, though. That's a good one? Yeah, because yeah. malignant's a bad one, right? Yeah, malignant's yeah. a bad one. So, but it, it seems like they're both in good spirits, and like this is something that's really kind of brought some joy in, into their lives because they've had so much stress oh, and dear. stuff with, with his health issues. So, you know, all thoughts and prayers and joy to... To that Absolutely. couple. Yes. Absolutely. And and we will miss Alia when she's out, presumably, for yes. on the maternity leave. Right. Which I I'm assuming will be soon. Yeah. Speaking of which. Oh. Jenny McAlpine Our apparently fizz. is back at work. And also Whew. and also, you know, having a few cheeky wee drinks with coworkers after work before Finally getting home to her children named after <laughs> long dead Coronation Street characters. Excellent. Which is good. Good. Because, she's coming back then because, because it was looking kind of touch and go for a Fizz, while. I, I, I'm really kind of confused about why she's still gone because wasn't she supposed to be managing a <laughs> a, a a branch of the factory a that one would imagine mm-hmm. that maybe would be would be shut down, shut down at this point considering all the, the stuff going no, on i don't know financial difficulties yeah mm. that seems to be kind of conveniently forgotten hasn't it it has oops a daisy it has but god does her family need her oh, Fizz yes. is desperately needed in that house yeah they're they're like two <laughs> days away from eating over the sink and walking about <laughs> with nappies on right by the time she gets back everybody's gonna have a nose ring <laughs> and finally Happy anniversary to Jane Danson and Robert Beck, formerly of Emmerdale, on their 18th wedding anniversary. Wow. Finally, their marriage can vote. <laughs> yes, again, he played Gavin on <laughs> Emmerdale. He doesn't look like Ge- a Gavin. Guess if Gavin was a prick or not. He was a prick. He was a bit of a prick. All Gavins on TV are pricks. Except for that one. Gav. Yeah, the one on Coronation Street. Yeah. Yeah, he's not a prick. He's all right. We like him. And that's Corey News. That is Corey News. And as ever, Helen, I don't know how you do it, but it just leads so seamlessly into <laughs> our feedback section that I like to call Everyone's a Critic. Now, we have been doing this podcast for a while. Just a wee while. And for a, a while during this podcast, when we get to the end of the podcast... Uh-huh. I say, if you've ever... Blah, blah, blah. Blah, 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 blah. If we had the blah, 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 blah. Hopefully, is something relevant to things that we've been talking about. Right. So last week, I think I said, 
if you've ever got Wordle in one go, uh-huh. writing to let us know about it. Uh-huh. So Debbie wrote in to say, <laughs> I always start Wordle with the same word, leash. And it recently came up. So yes, I have done it in one. Thanks very much, Debbie. Congratulations, Debbie. You're also, better than us. I also start my Wordle with the same word, stare. Is it stare or stare? S-T-A-R-E. Because uh-huh. S, T and R are pretty popular. And, and E. E and A gets mm-hmm. rid of a couple of vowels. And you normally get one, mm-hmm. one letter. If that provides nothing, I go for mold, M-O-U-L-D. Or pinch, P-I-N-C-H. I can't remember what my what my starting word used to be. Because I don't do Wordle anymore. I'll go back into it. Which is why we mentioned it. Yeah. I, I play I play 10 rounds of Tetris. And then that's my gaming for the day. You play Tetris? Yeah. Is you, it the 1980s outside? You've, you've seen me play Tetris. I don't think I have. I see you play Frozen. And I see you play Pokemon. I haven't played Frozen in over a year. Wow. Right, I, right, do, right, right, right. I, I do still play Pokemon, but that's that's not really a game game. It's not something you sit down and do, and then you're like, all right, I'm done with this for the day. It's, you know, you don't have rounds. Excellent. So, thank you, Debbie. Yes, thank you, Debbie. Then Noel wrote in to say, jumping, Jesus. I just <laughs> looked up and saw Jenny in her face mask. I wasn't sure if she was from Saw or if it was a particularly bad, and he's written Kabuki. Now... I think Noel has been suffering from a little bit of autocorrect problems because mm-hmm. what I think he means to say there is bukaki. Because the, the thought entered my head. No, no, I think he does mean kabuki. I don't think he's as filthy as you are. What's kabuki? It's a it's a form of of Japanese theatre, just like no. I think there are masks in no as well. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, I'm just filthy. You are so filthy. I was sure he meant bukkake. So much so that I've said that again. That's a disgusting word. It if you don't know what it means... Don't look it up! Don't look it up. Don't Google it! And certainly don't Google videos on it. The story so far... Smile Daisy, you're on Separation Street. What is wrong with us? Smile Daisy, you're on Separation What's Street. What's wrong with you? Q Robert Smith. Look, Noel's written this. I think we should do our best to pay attention to it. Yeah, you're yeah. the one who's accusing him of being filthy Bernie's, and not knowing about Kabuki theater. What is wrong with you? I feel like I've you learned something tonight. You are an uncultured swine. Bernie's locked up for knocking the pink out of the Christmas tree and Evelyn founded Peta on the street. God, don't we all love her? So it's another round of where am I? Please Peter tell me. Peter would have put that dog to sleep already. Because I have no idea. Also, am I Noel or am I Noel? You're making assumptions. Later, scares. <laughs> It's like, just tease. It's like, this is the escape room. These are the clues that we're getting in, in this escape room that we've created with our friend of the podcast, Noel. Yes. Why, why Noel out of all of our friends? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know what it is about Noel. Maybe it's his love for Japanese theatre and not for Japanese porn. Feedback is oh always my welcome. God. Send us your thoughts and I will probably read them out. And I'll make assumptions about your autocorrect. Get us at the talk of the street at gmail.com and our DMs are open at Corey Podcast. And now we'll podcast of our coffee.
The Talk of the Street is and will always be free on your podcast provider and on the YouTubes. But if you think our show is worth anything more than the time it takes to listen to it, and if you want to show your appreciation, you can buy us next week's coffee by going to ko-fi.com. That's ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street. You can also sign up to be a friend of the podcast through the same link we're for as little as two bucks a month. You can get a mention in the closing credits of each and every episode. But remember... And Gav will make filthy assumptions about your character. <laughs> and do that for free. <laughs> but remember... You can always support the podcast for free and get us in front of new listeners by liking, subscribing, rating and reviewing wherever you get your podcasts. And now, this. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Last Year Tonight with me, John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about Disaster Strikes. Uh-oh. Disaster strikes. Would it help if I said it in a Welsh accent? No. Disaster strikes. Oh, is this about the theatre thing? The play? That's with right. the guy that we all assumed was gay and then turned out that he likes older women. Welsh Nigel, yeah. This was a series of terrible news items about the play which seemed to be cursed. I was Gavin and you realised this week that we forgot to bury the cat. We still haven't buried her. Guess what? We still haven't buried her. She's still in her tin. Well, her ashes are still in the tin. <sighs> yeah. I don't even know where she is. She was under the TV, but I think she's in a bag in the dining room at the moment from when we took everything down to put up Christmas decorations last year. Hashtag never forget. <laughs> I was going <laughs> Was we are terrible people this week. I'm I'm seriously worried that Santa's not going to come this year. <laughs> I was complaining about being overworked unusually while you had a brainwave to shorten our stint out east. Summer gets caught in her own web of lies when Mike insists on accompanying her to her 12-week scan. The opening night of the play approaches while Ken juggles with the affections of Martha and Wendy. Griff's threats give Alia concerns for Yasmin's safety and she cuts back her hours at the law office. Tyrone gets to work on secretly organising his Christmas Day wedding to Fizz and enlists Gemma's help. That was a great idea, wasn't it? A secret Christmas Day wedding to someone? Yeah, I would kill him. Right, Simon loses a job no one knew he had, so Peter gets some work at the factory, much to Leanne's distress. Daisy finds a lump in her breast and discovers that she can't rely on Daniel for his support. Jenny doesn't get her hair done. Nigel is a glass-half-empty kind of guy, and Esther's had better weeks. Our moment of the week was Roy and Rita and Audrey trying to figure out if there was a horse in the play, and our boring moment of the week was Ken and Daniel sitting in the rovers, talking. And that was Coronation Street, and the talk of the street, this time last year. I have a feeling <laughs> Daniel and Ken are not safe this week, either. I, th- I think I'm setting my sights on something a little more Scottish. But maybe not boring. I don't know, we'll get to it, obviously. I know what my moment of the week is. We will take a quick break. And we'll be right back with this week's recap. And we're back. Yay! Whew. Enjoy the little break there. <laughs> Shall we dive in, my dear? Not with you, you filthy thing. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. <laughs> <clears throat> Shall we dive in, my dear? Yes, please. Our first storyline tonight is Evelyn by Taylor Swift. <laughs> On Monday... Tensions are still high at Tyrone's, his slippers are chewed to bits and Hope's still got her nose piercing in. The dog has been named Taylor, as in Swift, or as in 
quality guitars. The girls are unhappy that Tyrone wants rid of the dog after the week is over. Tough shit, he says. And the house is an absolute chaotic mess as Tyrone tries to get the girls ready for school. Hope refuses to remove her nose piercing as it's part of her identity. Her money, her body, her nose, she says. Yeah. My house, my rules, says Tyrone. Evelyn is walking Fred in the precinct when the horrible man from last week appears and accuses her of stealing his dog. She denies all knowledge, but says that she hopes he never finds the dog. Meanwhile, back home, Cassie decides to take the new dog out for a walk, despite Evelyn's insistence that she doesn't do this. And despite the fact they have a backyard. Right. Thinking that this is the reason why the dog is chewing up everyone's shoes. That might well be the reason why the dog is chewing up the shoes, Mm. but... Like you said, that's why they have a yard. Right. And even said not to take the dog out for right. a reason. Yeah, yeah. A very good reason. On the street, Evelyn is fucking furious to find Cassie walking the dog for fear of getting caught. Cassie poo-poos Evelyn's concerns, but as they get to the front door and open it, we see the ruffian man hanging around on the corner and he sees where Evelyn lives and he's seen his fucking dog. Yeah. He's just hanging around like a bad... This guy has never been on the street before. He shows up once. He's that character. He gets he gets mints thrown at him. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, he's on the street all the time now. Can't get rid of him. Can't get rid of him. This happens an awful lot, doesn't it? Characters that you never see, never show up, not even right. in the background. Suddenly, when they're called upon to do one thing, they're there all the time. Yeah. And I've got to say, Audrey is one of those characters. <laughs> she shouldn't be there. Later on, she'll be carrying about this journal rather than keeping it Grasmere Drive. Right. Because we never see Grasmere Drive. No. So we would never see the journal. So she's got to be constantly carrying it about. Well, she Go does, home, Audrey. She does lend it to um, David. Inside, Tyrone wants Evelyn to take the dog to Roy's, but Roy doesn't want Freddie upset. Freddie apparently is a bit high maintenance. Right. And also, Roy makes a very weird allusion to fostering children. And assuming that children can only be fostered one at a time by people, which is not how that works. <laughs> if you have your own children already and then you want to foster children, social services doesn't make you get rid of your own children first. Yeah, if we've learned anything from home in the way it would be not. What is wrong with Roy? In that case, says Tyrone, it's time to take her to the rescue centre. She's a cockapoo and people fall over themselves for cockapoos these days. Yeah, it's hilarious that everybody this week is mentioning the fact that it's a cockapoo, whereas last week, nobody mentioned that it was a cockapoo. No. The Obamas have a cockapoo. Evelyn tries to work on Roy some more, but he refuses to be budged and agrees with Tyrone. Cockapoos are extremely popular, so she relents. This is them just laying the groundwork right, for, for this dog has some value. Right. right. At the garage, because of the Obamas. Pretty much. Tyrone has had a call from the school. Hope has been sent home for the no stuff she's violated dress code. Which is ridiculous. That's could, absolutely ridiculous that a little tiny nose stud will get you sent home. That's absolutely ridiculous. Do they not let kids have different colored hair as well? Would you get sent home for blue hair? I've seen it happen. That's ridiculous. That's so ridiculous. What if it's part of the kid's culture? What if it's part of their, their um, well, their culture? <laughs> It was a brave attempt be- to find a synonym for culture, but... <laughs> you know, their ethnic heritage. A school could get sued for that. 
lots of schools have been sued successfully for kids having braids and afros. So I think Hope could absolutely sue the school and let her have her nose ring. Is it a real nose stud that she's got? I don't think either one of them have a real it nose seemed, stud. They both seem a little high up. Right. I thought. Yeah. And when they take them out later, spoilers, it, it's not realistic looking at all. Neither no. one of them have a hole in their nose, for example. Now, when I got my ear pierced, uh-huh. my mom made a very big deal of this. Uh-huh. Despite the fact that since I was a little boy and fell in love with Adam Ant, uh-huh. I always wanted to get my ear pierced. And she says, when you're 12. Uh-huh. And she thought I'd forget about it. Right. And I did forget about it. But then I remembered when I was 14. Right. So I went and got my ear pierced. Right. Oh, and she was furious. It was 14. I can't say the word that she said that I look like. Yeah. Is it is it is it a word used in Fairy Tale of New York? <laughs> no, she never used that word. <laughs> it was a word about traveling folk. Oh, okay. She said I looked like that. Okay. And so not a homosexual then? No. And I said, well, David Essex has got his ear pierced. Not shut up. <laughs> you still, you could still see where you had your ear pierced. I can still, I could still put an earring in. Probably. There hasn't been a earring in it for 15 years, 20 years maybe. And I can still, I could put a paper clip in it right now if you wanted. No, thank you. Okay. Tyrone blames Cassie, who thinks that she's a bad influence. Cassie offers to pick up hope from school, and this seems to actually have some value for Tyrone. Evelyn goes to a shift at Dev's as he rushes out to take care of some other business. And when Dev leaves, the horrible ruffian bloke comes in. Right. Locks the door behind him. Where's me fucking dog? He demands. And he approaches Evelyn menacingly. Right. Yes. Was he just like waiting right outside the door? Yep. Did, did Dev not bump into him? <laughs> no. Did he not bump into Gary, who just left the store as well? You know when Gary turns up in moments like this that there's a door that needs kicking down at some point. Yes. It, yeah. So, Either him or Peter. So the ruffian grabs her and gives her until the count of three. Thankfully, Dev is a muppet, has forgotten his keys and so rushes back to the shop and is confused when the door's locked and shown is closed. The ruffian puts his filthy hand over Evelyn's mouth, but she manages to kneel him in the happy sacks and shout for help. Gary tries to kick the door in while the man departs via the back door. Evelyn lets Dev and Gary in, and Dev calls Tyrone as Evelyn starts to cry through her ordeal there. And, and, Ty- and Gary rushes into the back, but unfortunately the ruffian is gone, right. so he can't kick him. Tyrone, though, has problems. Yeah. Tyrone, though, has problems of his own as the man approaches him and just squarely punches him in the face. Where's me fucking dog? He demands again. And he's about to lay the boot into Tyrone when Ken appears and <laughs> threatens to call the cops. So. So the ruffian leaves out the back of Dev's and, and the garage is back there? Yeah, because there's a corner shop so he's he leaves and he gets back in and then he's... It's, I think it works. Okay, I believe you. Back at Dev's, he can't believe the guy didn't steal anything and reckons that Evelyn refused to open the till, which she denies, but Dev won't be told about this. Ken announces that the police have arrived and Tyrone suddenly becomes twitchy. When Dev leaves, Tyrone tells Evelyn that she can't tell the police anything because she was the one who stole his dog. In comes PC Tinker, who agrees to taking Ty's statement at home. In a vest. Where he can clean up his split lip. So at home, Tyrone has nothing to tell Tinker. He didn't recognise the guy, but thought he was a shoplifter. So Tinker goes off to talk to Evelyn and Ken and send more patrols out to catch this mystery criminal. 
Yes, because he has that power. <laughs> Later, Tyrone makes a deal with Hope. If she takes her nose stud out, he'll replace it in six months with a nose ring. Which is worse. If she can be on her best behaviour until then. A stud is tiny. A nose ring is yeah. far more prominent. You're what on, is- says Hope, and she takes the stud out. But secretly, Tyrone reckons that there's no way Hope can go six months without burning something down or taking a chainsaw to school. So there's no danger that she's going to have to get a nose ring. Yeah. That's do, his do plan think, anyway. Do you think the show is going to remember this in six months? Uh, let's make a note in our diary, shall we, for June to see if Hope gets a, a nose ring. Adina rolls its closing time as Evelyn and Roy talk about the events of the day. Roy asks if she's worried the scoundrel might come back. She says she's not, but she's definitely unsettled, so Roy awkwardly rubs her arm. She's under the impression that Tyrone told the truth to the cops, and secretly she's very unsettled by these events to the point that she allows Roy to walk her to Tyrone's. The arm rubbing and, and you know, and how they both talk to one another like yeah, they're nice. dogs. <laughs> yeah. So cute. At home, Cassie wants to make a few calls because <laughs> she wants to get some bloke to find out who this ruffian is and beat them up. While Tyrone explains that he fobbed off the cops and warns Evelyn to do the same if she's asked. The last thing they want to do is noise this guy up. Hopefully this will be the end of it all. Hint, this isn't the end of it all. It's only the beginning. On Wednesday, Hope is calling Tyrone Daddy and it's weird. He takes advantage of this by getting her to do some of the chores around the house. It looks like the plan to make her behave is coming together. Evelyn goes to see Tyrone at work with a bag of sugary treats for him, guilty for the fat lip that he's got. He tells her that it's fine and reckons that they can put all of this behind them now. But rather than it being over, the horrible ruffian man visits Tyrone at the garage. He knows that he's just looking out for his gran, but he wants his fucking dog back before six o'clock tonight, or he really will kick fuck out of Tyrone. And Tyrone doesn't doesn't say a peep. The, he doesn't say a peep at this. Doesn't want to have the fuck kicked out of him. He really doesn't. Evelyn and Cassie get home and Ty explains about the horrible ruffian man and his threats. So Evelyn says, look, enough's enough. He, she values Tyrone more than she does the dog. Yeah, so she tells good. Tyrone where she took the dog. And so Tyrone rushes, rushes off to get her. But he gets halfway there, changes his mind and decides to go and grass the guy up to the cops anyway. Seems his name is Terry. That sounds about right. Terrence. They worry about what he's going to do, because not only can he kick the absolute fuck out of Tyrone, he can grass Evelyn up for stealing his dog. This is certainly a pickle. And at home, Evelyn is waxing her lip ahead of what she is sure will be a forthcoming visit to the magistrate's court. Tyrone insists that what she was doing was only in the best interest of the poor animal. All she'll get, if anything, will be a slap on the wrist. Then on Friday, Evelyn knocks Tyrone's front door and is nearly coshed to death by Cassie, <laughs> who worries that she's horrible Terry. And that was maybe the least believable thing that happened on Corey this week. The way she kind of rah, came out the, right, the house yeah, waving it could something. Be anyway. It could be anybody. <laughs> Turns out Terry has been released on police bail today. So far, there's no sign of the ugly bastard. In the other roles, Evelyn is trying to keep a low profile by wearing a high-vis tabard Right. She's staying out the way of Terry and the cops, but Tyrone <laughs> thinks that they'll have nabbed her. They would have nabbed her by now, so why haven't they? And everybody turns and looks at the camera and says, "Hmm." They all have these thoughtful looks on their face, especially Evelyn, who seems to have stolen PC Tinker's bright vest. Yeah, the high vest thing. <laughs> 
Later at home, Tyrone's got an email from Roy that there's another dog like Taylor for sale that costs £1,500. Which is actually kind of cheap for a dog. Even thinks this means Terry is running an illegal puppy farm and she's determined to prove it. Now there's a, a contradiction in terms if ever I've heard it. The words puppy farm sounds delightful. A puppy farm? Loads and loads of wee puppies running about? What's not to love? It's lots and lots of caged mummy dogs who live in cages and are forcibly impregnated and have lots of puppies that most of which die because they're kept in filthy conditions. Oh yeah, it's, it, it is horrible, but it sounds lovely. It's puppies and it's a farm. I don't know. Who doesn't love puppies and farms? I don't know. When I think of dogs and farms, I think of all those parents who lie to their kids and say they're dead dogs in a farm. My dog actually was sent to a farm, though. That's the, no, the, that was Ross from Friends, wasn't it? Yeah. So Evelyn is determined to prove it. Um, so that's what this story is about, then. Yes. This guy's running an illegal puppy farm, and yes. presumably Taylor Swift is the mummy dog to... He's one of the mummy, yeah. ...to all these cockapoos. Right. Wouldn't you want a, a poodle and a... Was that a cocker spaniel? Is that what the, the two things are in a cockapoo? Yeah, but also cockapoos with cockapoos make more cockapoos. True. Yeah. I tell you, we're learning so much. <laughs> Japanese things and genetics. <sighs> I mean, if you're not a friend of the podcast by now, I'm not sure what more we have to do I here. think we're going to lose <laughs> friends of the podcast after this week. Honestly. Names of breaks. Anyway, that's as far as we get with that this week. So, yes... It's a puppy farm story, which I actually think, you know, given given the nature of how Coronation Street's been going over the past few years with its hard-hitting storylines, mm-hmm. this is something I think I can actually get behind yeah. straight away without, Absolutely. without thinking too much about and it. And of course, of course Evelyn is involved with this. Right. And Roy's going to get involved with it. Right, yeah. And the two of them will be, you know, out doing mystery machine stuff in the woody again Mm -hmm. and so evelyn will get another chance to be accused of of giving roy a a blowjob in in woody (laughs) by the police yes yeah looking forward to that best storyline ever looking forward to that every time that comes up (laughs) yeah i mean it feels fairly low stakes but this terry character he can handle himself he's horrible he really is the way that they had him just completely lamp Tyrone right without saying a word to him right yeah well (laughs) Tyrone at at least Tyrone said oi what do I what is this I hear about you going after my nan Mm -hmm. and then punch I think it was much more frightening and horrible the scene with poor Evelyn and the guy like holding on to her and covering her mouth dirty hand over her mouth that's fucking Maureen Lippman get your hands off her Seriously, national treasure. Nash treasure, definitely. Yeah, not even my Nash. Yeah, that was horrible. That was horrible. It was very horrible, and and to see her so shaken up, you don't you oh, don't she's see never like that. You don't see her get shaken up. No, and she's come across <laughs> ruffians in the past, right? And, yeah, and always managed to hold her own. But here, she's genuinely you know, she, terrified. She is she's shaken up, and she's been shaken up a couple of times this week. Just like Taylor Swift. Right. Now let's shake it off. Shaking it off, but 
Yeah. I think it's close enough. I don't think anybody would notice if we right. didn't draw attention to it. Yeah. Like we're like we're doing at the moment. Yes. Do you think that Hope will be able to keep our side of the bargain for six months? Look, the show's gonna forget about this. So it doesn't really matter what I think. I think it would be hilarious if she did. And like six months from now, she says, right, where's my nose ring? And Fizz looks at Tyrone saying, what the fuck have you done? (laughs) Because a nose ring is so much more obvious than a stud, which is barely obvious. Yeah, Fizz needs to go back pronto to, to help sort this out. Before poor Ruby gets her lip pierced. Yeah, Ruby was quite annoying. I'm not going to lie. Ah, the whole shouting, take it off, take that, it out, take it out, take it out, and then the drum the, things the with the pails. Yeah, what are they trying to do to that kid? Old, I, old Ruby wouldn't say booty a goose. No, it's true. And this one just seems to be noising things up. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah, a little bit annoying. I hope that's not going to become a thing. I hope so, too. Because it rather was a bit stressful when Tyrone's trying to get everything organised and she's screaming at Hope and... Tyrone's shouting at Hope and Cassie's shouting at Tyrone and there was just Yeah, it was just too much oh shouting. God, just, we have uh, families is, who shout. Is, this, this is, is not why I watch Cornish. This is not here. No. Alright, let's move on to the next storyline. The Diary of a Canadian Serial Killer. On Monday, PC Tinker is a babbling mess when he arrives at the salon with Stephen's personal effects in a brown bag. It's unclear why the cops have hung onto them for so long. David helps to go through the stuff with Audrey. The bag's got his laptop his journal, his wallet, a broken watch, and his wallet has a picture from the TV Times from 1996 that gets Audrey <laughs> all modelling. PC Tinker comes back uh, later, so Audrey can ask about Stephen's finances and the situation there. And apparently Stephen was a tricky bugger with moving his money around the world. And the simple truth of the matter is the police don't have the resources to track it down. This gets Audrey all modelling again. And she describes a young Stephen full of spunk before he went to Canada. At home, David calls over Jenny to see if she wants any of Stephen's stuff. Jenny would sooner burn the lot, but she spies a laptop. How can you tell if it's Stephen's laptop, Helen? It's got a Canadian flag on it. It's got a maple leaf on it and claims that she has some files on it that she might need. And David's like, yeah, it's under the the folder, Jenny's saucy pics. (laughs) David is just full of it this week, isn't he? (laughs) Right. So Audrey gives her the all clear and Jenny leaves with it. Audrey's still a bit soppy, so cheers herself up by reading Stephen's address book. David doesn't think it's worth keeping a hold of a diary of a serial killer, although he reckons that they might be able to make some money off it. Audrey just wants to remember that there was another side to Stephen, different from the serial killing side. Right. On Wednesday at the salon, David thinks it's weird that Audrey's spending so much time looking at Stephen's stuff, and for someone who doesn't work there anymore, she sure works there a lot. Audrey tells him to suck her balls and shut up. Then a teary Nick and Sarah are in Nina's roles later, talking about David's obsession with Audrey's obsession with Stephen's journal. David overhears this and tells him that Audrey has threatened to make Maria the salon boss if David doesn't shut his fucking pie hole about this whole thing. I mean, it's just... Right. (laughs) They all meet up later with Audrey in the bistro, where she still has her nose in the journal... And she gives it to David to read, telling him that he might learn something. Ooh. So at home, David is taking the piss out of Stephen by doing, I guess what passes for a Canadian accent, as he reads out some of Stephen's words of wisdom. Hilarious. But then he comes across something that suggests that Sarah might have a different father from Nick. What? An Australian bloke. 
David is keen to show Sarah, but Shona doesn't think this is anybody's business. And the voice right. of reason. And she's right. The woman shot in the stomach with a brain damage. With a brain damage. <laughs> yes. With a damaged brain from being shot in the stomach. On Friday, and in the rolls, Roy ropes David into moving some supplies. And while he's doing that, David's winding Sarah up about stuff that she doesn't know and eventually tells her just straight out. Well, and Sarah's also winding David up. Right. They're winding each other up because they are siblings. Tells her that Gail didn't know who her dad was for sure. Shona's furious and Sarah is hurt. And Sarah storms off to see Gail and confronts her about the identity of her dad. Nick starts to cry. <laughs> Gail doesn't deny it. And apparently this was a thing after all. And it was. There was some question marks over Sarah's parentage. Right. Before she was born. I can barely remember it because obviously it was like, what, 40 years ago? Yeah. You were 10. Right. And watching Coronation Street. So. <laughs> watching Coronation Street. And, and Gail's unapologetic about this. Sarah seems to take this really badly and it becomes more furious and storms off again. Gail goes to the salon to slap David's wrists about the Sarah thing. David isn't interested in taking responsibility for any of it and wanders away. Gail says this family has been through hell and they should be supporting each other. She thinks David should apologise. Audrey wants to know the goss, so David explains, and it becomes clear that Audrey was the one who blabbed to Stephen in the first place. Right, which is hilarious, because she's like, no, I didn't. <laughs> Why is this all of a sudden my fault? <laughs> right. David, give me that diary back. <laughs> Gail speaks to Sarah and admits that she got her hole off her dad's cousin because the her Australian. dad had been unfaithful. I never felt right talking about my sex life with my dead husband to my daughter, she says. But Sarah thinks this whole thing could have been important information when she was dealing with the whole Adam and Damon thing. And lost her baby. And I'm not sure how. Well, it it would she would be able to commiserate with her mum about about cheating and, and she wouldn't feel like such a failure because her mum did the same thing. But doesn't she know that her mum cheated other times? Because she did cheat other times, didn't she? Wasn't there a spate where they were like everybody was cheating on everybody and it was like the theme of the show because that's really, what soap operas were like in the 80s? I don't really really remember Gail doing the cheating. I remember Gail getting cheated on right, and marrying a serial killer when it was Gail's <laughs> turn to marry a serial killer. Right, yes. But um, At least no one married Stephen. So well, at least we have from, that. Apart from his ex-wife. Right, yeah, but she, she doesn't count. Alive, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I, Sarah was the one who cheated on Adam. Right. So knowing that Gail cheated on Brian, I don't know. I don't know how that helps, but Sarah, Sarah, Sarah seems to right. think that it would. And, and she's also ridiculous because Gail's trying to explain why she cheated, you know, and that she cheated because he cheated on her. Mm -hmm. And Sarah gets all mad and defensive, like, don't you dare turn this back on, on dad and defame dad's good name sort of thing. And it's like, he cheated. Yeah, but what do you want from me here? Right, yeah. I've got to be the body. Right, yeah. So, cheating is bad no matter what, but it's worse when a woman cheats. Let's yes. put a pin in that for yes. later, shall we? And, and all women can agree on this. Because remember, this is a conversation between women. Right. Written by a man. <laughs> Eventually, David comes in and apologises. He says that he doesn't think this was a big deal. Audrey comes in as they're all continuing to argue. Gail 
thinks the journal wants burning, but Audrey takes it home with her and leaves. Typical fucking Stephen. Still winding people up from beyond the grave. Right. And later at number eight, Nick has joined Sarah, David and Shona. There's a plat chat message from Gail saying that tomorrow they're going to do something <laughs> nice as a family and it's all for Gran. Be it number eight at 11 or Elsie. Yeah, and then and then there was another message that said, David, don't move. Yeah. <laughs> and their phones are all digging at the same time. Yeah, that was And quite... they're asking questions of one another and then asking the question to Gail. Mm-hmm. And it's the four of them together. It was quite funny. It was great. Yes. More of this, please. This is why the Platts are the favorite family of Coronation Street. This Platt chat thing is it's paid dividends, certainly. I love it. Yeah. I love it so much. And it's the idea that Gail can still get a laugh despite not being in the scene. Right. That's yeah. pretty good going. That is. That is. You know, the Barlows don't have a group chat. Can you imagine? <laughs> Steve and Tracy would be fine. Right. The, the men. Not so much. Yeah. Adam might make it spicy. Oh, kind of going off Adam a bit this week. Well, yes. And Peter. Oh, this Peter? No way. <laughs> While this is all going on. Jenny is snooping around later on Stephen's laptop and finds a password-protected file called, I don't know, Infinity Rocket Plastics or something. No, it's it's the seagull thing. It's the most recently used file, and it was modified on the day that he stole from the factory and then promptly died. Jenny takes a laptop to show Carla and explain about the dates. What if there's bank details in here? Carla agrees and wants to take it to the cops. So at the cop shop... Swain. Swain explains that they've found the file in his cloud storage already, but they weren't able to crack it, and they don't have the manpower to assign to it. The murders take priority. That's that fuck then. Swain. (laughs) It's so funny because then her phone rings and she's like, oh, I gotta take this. And she takes it, we hear her say, dear Swain. And in the background on the phone you can hear. Just a little tinny version of that. Right. It's kind of hilarious, though, because neither Jenny nor Carla stopped to think, wait a second, the cops already had this laptop. Yeah. And then they gave it back to Audrey, and Audrey gave it to Jenny, and then Jenny's trying to take it back to the cop shop where they've already seen this well they've where they've already tried to crack this file yeah they're aware of the file right yeah so they don't have the resources to try and crack a, a password right or they don't have an ethical hacking team in weatherfield police station no doubt swain will be going on a training course next week or whatever to right, figure yeah. this out and they also don't have the um the resources to track down the money that's that's gone missing right yeah because dead people take priority. That's right. So, but they still have time to, you know, drag Amy in and harass her oh yeah. and, and Peter. So Audrey pops into the cabin and speaks to Carl and Jenny, who are still working on the laptop. Audrey talks about the journal that's full of Stephen's secret thoughts. It's nice that Audrey feels that Carla, who Stephen defrauded and drugged, and Jenny, who Stephen threatened to kill, would be interested in this. But they are. Because they think that the password may be hidden in that journal. Yeah. Tough titty, though, as Audrey leaves with a plan to read the colonel... The colonel? The journal. 
to read the journal from cover to cover at Grasmere Drive. While eating fancy chocolates. Yep. Which is the first, which the fanciest box of chocolates they have is the first one that Jenny's hand touches. <laughs> and that's as far as we get with that this week. Yes. Quite a lot going on in that. Um, yeah. That was, that was pretty interesting and, yeah. and, and pretty good. And, and David is, I don't know, when he's not really the main focus of the storyline. Right. Just in the background when he's swinging around in a chair and right and not really giving a solitary fuck about anything. Right, and he's got all these great one-liners. He's kind of good value. He's so good value. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all of that stuff and with him and Shona, <clears throat> and I love with him. A tearful Nick and and stuff and and, and Sarah and, and Gail. I actually like Sarah when she's when it's sibling time. Yeah. When she and David are winding one another up. That's and, good value right there. And they've been consistently like that over the years. I know. I love it. And that's, I think, why it works so well. Right. Because they've been doing it for so long. And right. they, they kind of know the beats of they each other's conversations. They practically are siblings. Yeah. They it's probably really, spend more time with each other than they do with their own siblings. So it's really, really well done. And then add on to that, we've got Jenny with this laptop. Which right. is kind of intriguing as well. And yes. suggests that maybe, I mean, if there's a file... We're going to get into the file. Eventually. They're not going to have a file with a pass. Oh, well, that's that then. They just got to hand it to Sam. Sam will crack it. And probably Big Garth knows somebody <laughs> who can get into it. Yeah, it'll be Sam. He's the smartest person on the street. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed this this week. Interesting seeing Jenny and Carla working together again. You don't yeah. see yeah, that's an awful nice. lot of them sharing scenes and seeing Carla in the cabin's quite amusing nice. because you don't really see her in there that often yeah this is just a nice storyline just to freshen things up a little bit I, I hate to say it but I kind of like Jenny in the cabin yeah especially there's a scene there's a scene later on with her <laughs> and Rita and Ruby Ruby being an asshole again and I just love it it was so good because kids are like that and you have to be a Rita about it and not a Jenny about it. Jenny's up in the stool at the at the, the sweets, the loose sweets that are in the in the big plastic uh, bottles. Right. While Ruby tries to decide whether she wants a cola cube or a flying saucer or something like that and A lemon can, or you, a raspberry. You can see Jenny saying, What the love of fuck will you hurry up? Right, yeah. Yeah. She's like, I'd much rather deal with drunks. <laughs> so long as she's behind a counter serving people i mm-hmm. think that's but it's that's that different clientele she's serving right. ruby as opposed right. to getting a pint of zero for i don't know S- S- uh, S- simon right <laughs> slip slip simon yeah <laughs> oh very good um yeah i'll be keen to know what this means when they find the money because again I'm, I'm assuming that they're going to where does that money go is that is that Audrey's money? He left everything to Audrey, but this is stolen money, so right. it should go back to... To the factory. Right. But but let's remember that Audrey is desperate to get her house back. Yeah, there's going to be lots of people that are after that. Yeah. And Jenny's bound to think that she's due some of this yeah. for, for nearly being killed and stuff. Meh. Some kind of compensation. So she can buy the rovers. So everybody wants a little chunk of this, and this this could be pretty interesting going into Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, looking forward to this. Yeah, Stephen, the gift that keeps on giving. Indeed. Our next storyline tonight 
Our penultimate storyline tonight is Ooh. Dick and Dom. On Monday, it's been dull. Stu has completed today's prep. Yasmin wants to brainstorm for this Christmas idea, but he has an important meeting to get to, so let's uh, Jasmine and Alia pick up the hard work on this idea for Christmas opening. And Stu's meeting is with his PI in public at the bistro. They go through Dom's rap sheet. He had no TV licence, no car insurance, but then she mentions something a bit juicier. In Germany, he got done for dangerous driving, whilst possibly drunk. Hmm. Isn't that interesting after last week? Right, yes, that everybody seems to have forgotten. Well, for now. Yeah. He had passengers, a woman and a child. Isn't that interesting? Mm. The PI isn't sure, but the woman was his fiance, and the child has Dom's surname, so this looks like Dom has another kid. He has a secret family. Stu thinks this is a game changer, and he leaves the PI to confirm the details. But then Yasmin comes in curious to know who the PI is. So the PI claims to be Stu's support worker or something, and they just bumped into each other. Mm-hmm. Yasmin is fascinated and made her questions, but thankfully Stu reminds the PA of some place she needs to be mm-hmm. so she can make her excuses and leaves. Do you know what I like about that scene? Not one second. Not one iota. Is Yasmin jealous or suspicious of Stu having a meal with another woman? Yes, because didn't that look like where it was going to go? Yeah. And it didn't. I know. It never even went close to it. Right? All she's interested in is just what you'd be interested in if you saw your friend with another person. Right, yeah. Oh, how do you know one another? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think she's the one who makes the assumption first that it was like a social worker or financial advisor or something. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That was really refreshing. Good shout. Yeah. Back at Speedal, Eliza pops in after school to scrounge some free food. Stu clumsily starts quizzing her about Dom's German connections, which Eliza is oblivious to. Yasmin notices, though, and wonders what he's digging for. Stu claims to be just taking an interest. And later... Stu gets a call from the PI confirming that the child in the car crash was Dom's son. Apparently, Dom's been on a charm offensive recently in Germany and maybe planning a return. And at this, Dom arrives to pick up Eliza and Stu arranges to have dinner tomorrow. Now Yasmin is super suspicious and Stu again claims that he's just trying to get to know Dom better. This is what you wanted, right? On Wednesday, Stu spins Yasmin a line that he needs to take the day off to speak to a financial advisor, but instead he's meeting up with Dom in the bistro. Stu tries to be clever and mysterious, but ends up just blurting it out that he knows that Dom has a family in Germany, and it turns out they did smell booze on Dom last week. Well, why didn't he why, say something? Why did you let Eliza get in a car with him then? That's so strange. It's so strange. It was strange enough that he didn't notice what we could all notice. Right. That Dom was clearly pashed. Right. But he did notice it and just let it... Let, let anyway. her go with a drunk man? That feels like if anything had happened, that Stu would have kind of been responsible in right. part for that. Him and Yasmin, because Ugh. they both just let them go. Ugh. Dom needs to go for a shake, but when he comes back, he's angry that Stu has been spying on him, calling Stu's obsession unhealthy. Stu doesn't care, and it sounds like Don's German family would go ape if they learned about Eliza, so... Which is weird. Stu cuts to the chase and offers Dom that ten grand again to fuck off to Germany and leave Eliza with him. They go back home and Dom announces that he has to go away for work, so he hands his tickets over to Stu and Yasmin for the Christmas concert thing. He leaves and tells them that he'll see them soon. Stu hides 
the ten grand that he's got in a duffel bag under the Christmas tree, where surely no one will look for it. So Dom and Eliza go to Nina's roles, and they talk about her moving to Wendy High, and she sings uh, Stu's praises about how she loves moving to the new school, and she's got new pals now, and Stu always has the best of intentions for her, and this seems to get Dom thinking. So he shows up at Yasmin's later. He's looking for a favour. His work is now taking him to Germany for some very urgent work. He'll be leaving after the concert tomorrow and won't be back until Christmas Eve. Stu practically forces the money on Dom, who doesn't seem to want to take it, but he does just before Eliza and Yasmin come downstairs. So on Friday, Eliza arrives at Yasmin's with a suspicious amount of stuff. It's like she has all her worldly belongings for this week that Dom's going to be away. Right. And Stu just watches on silently. So Eliza's all packed away, and they're about to go to the concert when Eliza starts shitting herself. Dom says how he's so proud of her and kisses her pow, and this makes Stu uneasy, but he stays quiet as everyone leaves. We don't get to see the rap concert. I know, what the fuck? Oh, thank God. No, I wanted to see that. It's Mary's one-woman show all over again. It's nowhere near that level. (laughs) Maybe not for you. Eliza and Sam practicing their little handshake thing and... You know, Rose, that was bad enough. <laughs> apparently, apparently, what this, what really set this rap apart was the fact that Sam played the triangle during their rap. Who doesn't want to see that? <laughs> and apparently, for the fourth year on the bounce, Brian was hoisted up <laughs> on a rope and swung over the school governor where he was horrendously violently sick all over the governors we don't get to see that either but it definitely happened how is it that we did get to see that once but we never got to see mary's one woman show and we never got to see the rap yeah afterwards though yasmin invites dom in for a drink while Stu looks like he's popped in his knickers dom leaves with a promise to see eliza at christmas he gives her a massive hug tells her to have a wonderful uh, uh week and says how much he loves her, and then he leaves. Stu remains silent until he mutters a cheerio. Yasmin can't help but feel like Dom is hiding something from Eliza. He was so fucking emotional. And Stu just nods. And that's as far as we get with that this week. What the actual? I mean, it's just... So Stu is having some kind of remorse about this. And all of a sudden... regret. And all of a sudden, Dom's a good guy? He's been... And doesn't want the money anymore and loves Eliza. See, I feel like he's been kind of moving in this direction a little bit over the past few weeks while still doing things that are, are kind horrible of and unreproachable. Sketchy, right, yeah. yeah. And Stu is most definitely the bad guy now. Yes. He's the bad guy and Dom's the good guy. What is going on? Only one of them looks like Santa Claus. That's true. We've only seen one of their testicles. <laughs> Which one again? I can't remember. I can't re- They were blurred, sadly. <laughs> Maybe that's just how they are. <laughs> Maybe. Pixelated, Pixelated testicles. Pixelated testicles. I, you know, it's, it's such a confusing story because we felt like from the very beginning, oh, here we go. You know, the mom doesn't want her to have anything to do with him. He was ve- he was secretive and kind of sketchy to begin with. Right. Doing things absolutely the wrong way. 
by approaching the child first as opposed to the guardians. Yeah, and he took Eliza in and just let all that kind of play out, no matter how much uh, distress it was causing or how much upset it was causing, just because Eliza wanted to do something, therefore Eliza gets to do that thing. Right, yeah. So he wasn't really the adult in the situation. And he was, like, complaining and, and, you know, giving her shit food and... Letting her watch horror movies and stuff. Right, and stay up really late. But then... Now that we've seen him in this kind of but he still set of episodes, her. right? He's been far more responsible this week. I mean, he was drunk last week, but right. again, every time he does something good, there's something bad, right? Right behind it. So I don't know how we're supposed to feel about. Mm-hmm. Well, I do know we're supposed to kind of be on his side at the moment, right? And you're right, we're supposed and, to be and thinking hates that, that's, and I, I, I think I do, but I think I hated Stu far before we got to this, right? Before, we hated both of them. Yeah. And Eliza. <laughs> Pretty much. And we only loved Yasmin. Yeah, Eliza seems to have settled down a little bit as well. Yeah, the the, the message is just so mixed and confusing. That right, it's all over the place. I mean, I don't hate the storyline as much as I used to, but is the end of it that Dom just doesn't come back from Germany? Or is it that Stu's going to go out and bring him back? Or... Or yeah, send but Eliza out, or but then there's another family out there who's going to be missing their dad. Right. So, how does this play out? Do we? Yeah, just I'm not sure. I'm not do, sure what direction we're do, going. In. Do we just lose Eliza? No great loss. No, no harm. <gasps> no harm to the lassie. But what do we lose? I guess Sam loses the companion a little bit, but he's yeah. supposed to be with Hope. Right. He can still have friends that are girls, though. They can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Milkshakes and stuff. Eliza's milkshakes bring all the boys to the yard? No, remember they were they were having a milkshake together and then Dom oh, came sure. in and then Dom got a milk mustache. He got a little bit of milk mustache. Yeah. Again, that just softens him up. It does. And the fact that he's nice to Eliza's friends as well and doesn't mind her hanging out with them. Whereas before it seemed like he was going to be really clingy and, and not let her be on the street at all and... You know, come right home sort of thing. But then we still have this drunkenness that's... Right, and forgetfulness and and just letting her do whatever she wants. And you really need a, a huge amount of goodwill that's going to cover up the fact that he was essentially drunk driving with his kid in the car. Right. That takes a bit of rehabilitation, he's, right? He's, he's now drunk driven with both of his kids in the car now so we see yeah oh well oh well moving on then our final storyline tonight is mr osborne is still a fanny oh my god so much so much so just let's remember absolutely the worst we've always thought he was a fanny right and now the show's saying to us oh mr osborne has got this new kind of dark side to him no. It doesn't change anything. No. He's still a fanny. Yes. But remember that pin we oh, yeah. stuck earlier? We're remembering that. We're yep. remembering that. Yep. Let's all remember now. Cheating is bad, but it's worse if you're the woman. Right. Especially if a man's writing your words. Right. On Monday, in Nina's roles, Carla isn't happy to find the gym is rehiring that position that they'd offered Ryan or that Ryan is immigrating to Glasgow. She's is that really immigrating? No. 
No. She's concerned that this is a knee-jerk reaction, but he thinks it's time for a change, and he's up for the challenge. And Glasgow is lovely and has good food. He leaves to do some errands just as Daisy comes in. Carla gives her the evil eye as she joins Daniel and Jenny, who are sitting behind. Daisy is having a hard time finding alternative employment. Yes. Daniel annoyingly thinks that the day will get better, and he arranges to meet Daisy on his lunch break. And he goes to see Ken to ask him to look after Bertie for the day. He has a surprise for Daisy and is excited because he reckons that the two of them are stronger than ever. Additionally, he's going to ask Daisy to officially adopt Bertie, which Ken reckons is a splendid idea as it, for once and for all, removes all traces of Sinead from the wee boy's life. So, at lunchtime, Daniel blindfolds Daisy and leads her into the rovers, which she had already worked out because of the smell. Right, and also the trauma <laughs> his big surprise is that instead of buying a flat they should buy the rovers and they should run it daisy is less than impressed possibly remembering that jenny couldn't make it profitable so there's fuck off chance that daniel will be able to um, and, right, yeah. and plus folk actually like jenny right yeah daniel seems to think that he's more qualified than jenny mm-hmm. to run a bar Daniel is confused. He was expecting praise, but now he doesn't know what's going on in Daisy's mind. He thought she would love to be back in a place where someone tried to blind her with acid. Daisy's had enough and leaves for air. And Daisy goes to Nina's roles and it's not long before Ryan comes in and they have some awkward small talk about her job hunting and he announces that he's off to Glasgow with Crystal. She pretends to be happy for him. Didn't he have his heart set on the gym job in Manchester? Wouldn't he rather stay? Shut up, Daisy! Shut up, Daisy! Ryan wonders if she gets whiplash from all these 180s that she does. He tells her nothing is keeping he tells her nothing is keeping him here. And then comes Carla to have a cuppa with Ryan and she throws Daisy some more filthy looks. People say gym job far too often this week. Gym job. Gym job. Gym job. Gym job. So Daisy gets home to find Daniel peeling spuds. She apologizes for earlier and he apologizes for springing it on her. That said, he wants to know if she's on board. She still hasn't made up her mind and asks to sleep on it. So Wednesday, Daniel's still pretending that he knows the first fucking thing about running a pub, but Daisy, thankfully, isn't sure that they can succeed where Jenny failed. Daniel thinks that Jenny is a fucking idiot and doesn't understand what Daisy is so against. He thinks he's doing this for the community because life is rubbish, and so is he. Daisy goes to see Jenny who has a f- <laughs> to see Jenny who has a face back on and looks like Michael Myers. She's thrilled to hear that Daisy is interested in buying the pub and is confused why Daisy isn't more enthusiastic. This is her chance to save the pub, a place she loves despite the acid attack. Jenny offers to run it with Daisy, which is a very charitable thing for her to suggest to do. Right, yes. So they head off to Nina's Rolls for a cuppa. Jenny thinks the two of them will be like Cagney and Lacey of slop trays again and she can't wait. Daisy doesn't know who Cagney and Lacey are. Or probably slop trays. Daisy still isn't convinced until she realises that she'd be the boss. And this seems to dampen Jenny's spirit a little bit. It does. Daisy runs into Ken on the street. He's keen to know what Daniel's big surprise was, so Daisy tells him about the pub, and he's excited for her. Between this and adopting Bertie, she won't know whether to cheer or shit her pants, he says. And Daisy's like... Do what now? Ruh-roh. Do what now? Meanwhile, Daniel is bumping into Ryan... Daniel is touched that Ryan took his advice about moving to Glasgow. This is for the best. It'll be cool to get away. And this makes Ryan suspicious as fuck. So when Daniel goes off to see Adam, Ryan tells Daisy that Daniel knows. Like, knows knows. Yes. Daisy doesn't think so. But Ryan mentions the video that Simon might have seen. But Daisy, while annoyed, 
reckons that she'd know if Daniel knew and refuses to believe it. So she goes home and asks Daniel about the Bertie thing, asking if maybe she should know first. Daniel says that he just got carried away talking to his dad, and that notably there is no apology from him. No, not, none whatsoever. He's like, yeah, maybe I should have told you anyway. Right. He thought, anyway, why, 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 why are you upset about this? He thought it was a lovely idea because he thought Daisy loved Bertie. Daisy thinks this is a pretty fucking low blow, and he's throwing an awful lot at her. He says this is the new him, an even bigger prick than the old him. <laughs> and they're engaged. What's the biggie? So Adam comes over later with the paperwork. And his mum's dead, so... To start adoption proceedings. But they don't get far into it when Daisy has a white and says that she can't do it. Not right now. And that scene was just... I mean, I guess some people are anti-Daisy and all this because she was the cheater. Right, yes. Um, and and women who cheat <laughs> are worse than men who cheat. Right. Because da- Daniel has never cheated on anyone. No, especially not anyone that's dying. Right, yes. So so I, I guess there are people that are in, in the anti-Daisy camp. But I felt so sorry for her in that situation. Seriously. Because she's stuck in that flat. She's got this paperwork thrown Shoved under her. her face. There's a lawyer sitting there, right. albeit Adam. And... Her asshole boyfriend, who's just suddenly become an even bigger asshole in the right. last 48 hours. She's like so under pressure to right. to do this. And it's like, you can tell that that she's conflicted, not because she doesn't love Bertie, because she does love Bertie. And she's, well, well, the, only, she's the only parent who, who seems to really honestly care about him. Right. She's the only one who reads to him. Yes. When was the last time we saw Daniel do anything with that child? Oh, there's been a couple of times when the storyline has dictated that he's seen with his child, but right, but mostly, he's not doing anything with them. Mostly, the only thing it does is palm the kid off on Rem- Ken or or Beth. Remember that hilarious time that we were supposedly at at Bertie's eye level, looking up at Daniel, hmm. and Daniel was saying, "No, Bertie, no, stay." You have to stay here with Granddad. Oh, yeah, that was you, during COVID, wasn't it? <laughs> we no, stay. To see. Stay, Sit. child. Roll over. Good boy. <laughs> Go fetch. Quickly shut the door. Right. Run away. Oh, he's like the worst parent ever. And all of the parents on Coronation Street are terrible, except for Tracy. What? <laughs> well, Tracy now... Yeah, she's the only one willing to glue herself to a police stand. <laughs> yeah, so Daisy says that she can't do this. Adam quickly leaves, which allows Daniel to get all arsy about it. And he snatches the paperwork out of her hands. He says that they can postpone it. But Daisy says that she might never want to do this. And because of all the pressure that, that she's under and because of all these things that are getting sprung on her. Yeah, one right after the other. She admits that she slept with Ryan. She explains that it happened once and it wasn't an affair. And he says that he knew this all along and knew that there was something going on. He was her hero and she was his rock after the acid attack. He thought it happened when her mum showed up, but she says it was before that and it wasn't important. And she's surprised that he seems to be taking it in his stride and he's right. not jealous or angry. He's very or calm. Too she, calm. She offers to move out, but he's worried that people will find out that he wasn't man enough to keep her. And that this just brought me back oh, to fuck that. Fuck you. That, what? What? Men are scared that women will laugh at them and women, women are, scared are scared that, that men, men will, will kill them. them. And yes. this, was, this is that. It is that. 
She says everyone knows that she's punching above her weight. And if you listen carefully, you can hear the crew, you can hear everyone else in the street. Giggle. Just quietly giggling. <laughs> he doesn't want it to go, so she says that she'll make it up to him and maybe the Rovers isn't what they need and maybe the adoption isn't what they need right now. Maybe he needs to know that she's there for him, not for a pub or a piece of paper. Right. But this seems to anger Daniel, who thinks that she thinks that he was trying to trap her, which he absolutely was. Right. Yeah. She says it was too... And that's the only reason why he's mad at that. Yeah. She says it was two huge commitments. He says if it was a test, she failed it. She says Ryan will be off to Glasgow soon and asks if he'll punch Ryan's lights out if he sees him. And the crew starts giggling again in yeah, the background. Yeah, just a little bit of laughter and chuckling. Uh, Daniel is a child and says that he'll be everywhere with these big cow eyes. Oh, don't look at me. Don't look at me. Now look at me. She's on his radar and that's what counts. After all, the sex was amazing, wasn't it? And uh-oh. Because this tells Daisy that Daniel knew, Already knew. all along. Yep. And the, re- the reason... And he, he saw w- the video. And the reason he was so calm was because he already had had his revenge by getting Ryan to lose that job. Right. She tries to block him leaving, but he pushes her against the wall. Yeah, what? What? And shouts at her, accusing her of sneakily meeting him and that Ryan is a snake and a junkie and she should be grateful. What? What is this? What is going on here? And she still wants to be with this person who's pushing her up against a wall. Mm-hmm. What? Mm-hmm. What? What? He calms somewhat, but says he's done Ryan a favour. Daisy thinks Daniel is a hypocrite, suggesting that he wants to be the only tragic hero in the village. She calls him pathetic and cruel and leaves, and he makes an awful remark about her looking up a thesaurus or something like that, because he has to be smarter than her, right? Right, yeah. And number one, the Barlow men talk about Daisy in the past tense. Adam has met a hundred Daisies and tells Daniel just to move on. Ken remembers that adoption papers were getting drawn up earlier. Right, yeah. Adam's coming across as a bit of a woman hater here. Right, because let's remember, let's re- let's remember two things. First of all, Sarah. Mm-hmm. And second of all, he was against Daisy from the very beginning. Remember? He didn't want Daniel to date her at all. That's right. He thought she was a cow from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. So... In all of this, he's probably taking a bit of joy out of this, thinking, I told you so. He's definitely a daisy hater. Yeah. But a lot of the things that he's saying here are just... Terrible. Just pure woman hating stuff. Pure woman hating. Ken's more concerned about what Daniel's going to say to Bertie, and this shuts everyone up. So Daisy goes to Rita's. Jenny's not all that sympathetic, thinking Daniel's the injured party here, until Daisy turns on the waterworks and says that all Jenny cares about is the Rovers, which clearly is no longer going to be a goer. Jenny hugs Daisy and tells her everything will be alright. Meanwhile, Daniel is home alone and getting wired into the booze. Hmm. Such a tortured soul because he's drinking heavily. And he's 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 staring longingly at, at Daisy's pink coffee cup, because hmm. he picks up both cups at the same time. Yeah, because people do that, right? Right, and we know that this cup is Daisy's because it's pink, and the other one is blue. Pink to make the boys wink. (laughs) On Friday, at Rita's, Daisy is trying to make herself feel better by blaming Simon and reckoning deliberate ignorance is a form of cheating. Jenny asks who she wants. Daisy just doesn't want this, so she gets ready to go and speak with Daniel. Meanwhile, Daniel is still raging to Ken about how much he hates Daisy. 
Ken wonders if his suspicions played into Ryan's hands and gets a mouthful of snash for his trouble. Ken knows that he's hurt and angry, but maybe he'll wish that he tried to work it out. Ken's oddly the voice of reason here. Right, well, that's because he's cheated on a lot of women in the past. <laughs> and knows what he's talking about. Yes. In the cabin, Carla goes in for some chewy, and Jenny lets slip about Daisy and Ryan and Daniel, and this is all news to Carla. Well done, Jenny. Adam drops in as Ken leaves and there's a buzz at the door. It's Daisy. Daniel throws both Adam and Ken out, and when Daisy comes in, she sees that Daniel has black bagged her already. Daisy wants to know if Daniel can forgive her. She loves him and Bertie, and she hates hurting them. Daniel asks if Daisy loves Ryan, and she admits, kinda, that, well, she doesn't answer it. No. Which is kind of an admission. Right. But and then she tries to explain, well, I love him, but not in the way that I love you. Yeah. I'm not in love with him right. the way I am in love with you. And it's just, it's the dumbest thing ever, because all you have to do is say no. You mm-hmm. don't have to. There's there's a point. There's a point where you have to let honesty go, because... He's never going to let you explain what you mean. There's no right answer to the questions that he's asking her. Right. He's looking for reasons to be angry at her again. Right. Yeah. He doesn't... He has no right to know how you actually feel about Ryan. All you have to do is say no. Yeah. He needs to know how she feels about him. Right. And she's been very clear about that. Yes. She's constantly saying, I choose you, Pikachu. with, With no good reason. Yeah, so she says that she does kind of, but in a different way, just like Daniel loved Bethany in a different way to his dying wife. And this just about does it for Daniel, and he throws her stuff into the landing and slams the door in her face. Ryan must hear from Carla, so he finds Daisy in the community garden. Daisy explains the pub and Bertie stuff and how all of it was about Ryan, and Daniel did mess up his gym job after all, because we got to see gym job again. Right. She wants to be forgiven, but she keeps saying the wrong thing. Carla sees them and throws cold water on the two of them. Dirty girl, go to your bed. Right, yes, because let's remember, let's remember, this is all your fault. Ryan had nothing to do with it. Right. Carla calls her a wrecking ball and thinks it's a matter of time before Crystal finds out, presumably when she goes to get some flying saucers from the cabin. (laughs) Daisy goes into the cabin to complain to Jenny, who again points out that Daisy brings this on herself. Daisy would because like, it's all your fault, Daisy. Daisy would like Jenny to be on her side for once. Jenny reckoned that the correct answer was no, I'm not in love with Ryan. Right. Says that Daniel was just looking for some security. Daniel and Adam go to the bistro so Adam can hate women a bit more. Ryan and Crystal come in and immediately Daniel gets his back up and confronts him, pushes him until Adam intervenes. Ryan leaves but Daniel gives chase and we know it's serious because Daniel calls Ryan by his last name. Right. Crystal says something. Daniel sucker punches Ryan, and predictably, Ryan smashes Daniel's face. And, uh, <laughs> and, and would have smashed it more right. if Adam didn't drag him away. Right. And then he and Daniel go away for some pastrami for some reason. Oh, it's that sandwich. It's that sandwich that Adam brought him earlier that um, he hasn't eaten yet. The uh, New York something. New York sandwich. Yeah. Well, Crystal says something. Well, Ryan explains that he wants to be with her, but Daniel fucked him over. Space, says Crystal, and Ryan is so confused what this means, he leaves her on her own. Oh, you understood it when she said space. Well, she shouted space, yeah. I think she's just so quiet and she mumbles. Mm. Debbie is the next to shout at Daisy in the middle of the street. Because remember, 
It's all her fault. Trouble follows you around, she says, and she tells Daisy about the fight. So Daisy goes to see Ryan. He's happy to take the black eye. Daisy realises this is all her fault, but Ryan thinks that he earned it and reckons Crystal will probably black the other one when she finds out. He's told her everything, even the fake Crystal stuff. Yikes, says yeah, Daisy. And she clutches her collar a little bit. It seems Crystal has asked for space, so now he has no idea what's going to happen next. He wants to get a plane to nowhere, and she says she'd like to go there too. But Ryan doesn't know what they would be like together. It's such a mess. It wouldn't work. Nope. She admits that she'd go back to Daniel if he took her. Ryan thinks Crystal deserves better than him, and he asks Daisy to leave. And of course, Adam sees her leave Ryan's. Yeah. But she goes to speak to Crystal in the bistro and tells her that Ryan wants to move on and he wants to do that with her. Crystal says something while Daisy continues to sell Ryan's greatness. So Ryan and Crystal meet outside Dev's later. He insists that he wants a new start with her and is sorry that he let her down. She gives him another chance and tells him that they're leaving in two days. Are you inski or are you outski? And he's inski. Daisy goes to see Daniel and he refuses to let her in. She tells him that she wants to try it again and asks for another chance and she's worried about him. But he knows that she went to see Ryan first and this gets him angry and shouty again. And Daisy is starting to sound like an abused partner here as she begs for forgiveness. She tells him that she was trying to get him and Crystal back with each other and this just makes matters worse. Right, he's like, oh, so you went to her next instead of me. And meanwhile... Ryan punched him really hard mm-hmm. in his face mm-hmm. twice. He's got a teeny tiny bit of a fat lip. And that's it. He looks fine. Why is his face not completely messed up? He should at least have some jam on it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and she's trying to explain to him, well, Debbie said that you that Ryan was the one who was hurt. And you know, and he doesn't want to hear it. No. It's like, he just he just doesn't want to hear it. No. You know, he has to be the wounded party. He yeah. has to be the wounded party. All of this, all of this is her fault. Him wrecking the gym job. Oh, please don't use that. Is her fault. Mm-hmm. His fat lip is her fault. COVID is her fault. <laughs> She's right when they, she said to him that he wants to be the only uh, injured party in the village or whatever right. it was that she said. Yeah, it was absolutely, absolutely spot on. So he finishes it for good, says that it's for Bertie's sake. Daisy cries, probably with relief at her lucky escape, but no doubt, no doubt not. And that's how we end this week's episode. And then, and then she sees Crystal and Ryan happily giggling with one another and smooching and then going into... And that's how we end this week's episodes. Yeah. And then she's left all alone on the street. Yeah. And then a car runs over her. (laughs) And a dog pisses on her leg. And then a hawk flies down and steals her hair. And then she falls down a sinkhole. And finds Johnny. (laughs) Who eats chili con carne without rice? Everybody. Ugh. I what mean, the fuck, man? I mean, I've been waiting for this to happen for so, for so long. And right. I, and I really don't think it disappointed that much. There are bits of it, I will agree with you, that the the way that, that Daisy has taken the, the brunt of this right. is typical for the show. But I enjoyed the, enjoyed the blow-up. I enjoyed the 
uh, Daniel being such a fucking sleaze and the way that he sucker punched Ryan was just despicable. And this this recreation of Daniel as being this, I get what I want and you just follow me right. sort of patter is, is so pish and... and He's and always de- been this. And exactly, it's exactly that. He's always been this asshole. Right. I'll never forget the scene when he was cutting about with Bethany after... Sinead died right and because people were giving him a hard time right he stormed into the flat and he kicked Bertie's stroller across the room right and I was like you know that's not the actions of a man that's got his shit together that's, right there's something bubbling underneath here that is he's an abuser in waiting mm-hmm. and oh, that's what he's looking and like he is so pissed off when she mentions it and he's like how dare you I just kissed her. I didn't have sex with her. And that was about my pain. It was about his pain. Right. Yeah. Because of his pain. Right. That his wife was dying. Right. But his pain. Right. Meant that it was kind of kind of forgivable okay. that he kissed. It's okay for me to cheat because I'm a man and I didn't have sex. And I had pain. Right. Recognize that. Right. Please. Yes. And my wife was about to die anyway, so it was almost not even cheating. Right. Because she was almost dead. If I'd waited a month, it would have been fine. It would have been fine. And then I went back there a month later. <laughs> so bad. It's so bad. I honestly don't understand how some people are sympathizing with Daniel and all this. Because, because this is our society. We still live in a rape culture. We still live where... It, where toxic masculinity is okay and is honored by so many people. This is why we're probably going to get another Trump presidency. This feels more like a... It's so a terrible. A 1990s storyline. Yeah! I kind of... Kev, who cheats on Sally when she's away helping her... Uh, her dying mum. Right. So Kev has an affair. Right. And blames Sally because she was away. Right. It has yeah. those kind of feels to Yeah, it. absolutely. Where, all right, so Daisy and Ryan had this liaison. Right, once. They've, they've had this connection since the acid attack that, mm-hmm. that Brain Box Daniel has, has recognised that this right. exists. And rather than... Rather than try to take a step back from it, mm-hmm. or or cool things, or recognise the the magnitude of this connection, or try that they to have, be supportive of it instead of acting like a little jealous bitch. <laughs> well, he even says that he tried to be friends with Ryan and call him mate and all right, that sort of stuff. Yeah. But you always hated him, and that's the problem. You always hated him, right? Yeah. And I think part of it is he hates him because he was the one who saved Daisy and he was the one who got the community sympathy and support afterwards. Mm -hmm. You know, Daniel would only be happy if he was the one who got the acid in the face. Yeah. That's the only way he'll ever be happy is if somebody throws acid in his face. We go back 12 months and and Daisy has her breast cancer scare which right. kind of started the whole 
stalker thing off, but right. But Daniel was wholly uh, unsupportive no. during all that yeah. and made that about him. him. And you know the the Warren things have been there all along. I, I, I don't know that, that it was ever going to end any other way. Daisy and Ryan had to have this right. liaison. There was no way that it wasn't going to happen. Right. And and maybe it was just a case of just saying, look, this so much has happened to her. Uh-huh. Her head's all over the place. Right. Maybe maybe the best thing for her at the moment is for them just to cool everything down and right. and maybe uh, just forget about the engagement for now. And, and right. if they still feel like we're we're destined to be together a year from now, then then fair enough. But I think she's got some serious trauma that she needs to work through. Yes, yeah, she does. Before any relationship can be right. really discussed in in serious terms. This has been a, a huge event for for her and for Ryan. Right. But he's not done that. And instead he's forcing her to make a decision. To, and it's not just the rovers and it's not just Barry. He's got a moving house and he's right. got it it's just throws things at her to mm-hmm. which just confuses her even more. She's looking for something to, to settle down. Right. And his response to this is just to throw everything up in the air. Right. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, how could this end any other way? Right, because the whole thing about buying Tim's mum's flat, you know, he's like of I've already gotten, you know, the wheels turning for this. And she's like, I thought we agreed we were going to cool it on this and we were going to think about it. And then just moved in together into the and young crew flat. And he's so offended by this. Mm-hmm. He's so offended and so insecure in himself that that he gets mad at her for wanting to be responsible. Mm. And you're right. He has not given her an opportunity to really work through her trauma at all. No. And it's funny because everybody has been so concerned about Ryan's trauma and helping Ryan get over his trauma. And we've, and the show is focused so much on Ryan's trauma that Daisy's trauma has kind of been swept under the rug a wee bit. Because Ryan wears his trauma on his face every day. Right. Whereas she can cover it up with a shirt. Right. And, and also he's a man. So we're more concerned about his emotions. Well, sure. He has to learn something about himself as well. Right. Yes. Let's not forget. Let's not forget. This is the man who pushed his father down the stairs. <laughs> He's, the, the, the warning signs are there. I mean, they're there if you look for them, people. He's, he's a bad person. This is the man who drove Chesney so crazy, he hit himself with a brick. On this day. This is Chesney hit self in Facebook brick day. That's not what my Facebook memory said to me. It is the fifteenth, and today's the fifteenth. If if Daniel wanted to do anything, and this maybe wouldn't have worked either, but moving away, moving into his mum's house, wherever his mum's house is, right? Go live there. Yeah. Get away from Weatherfield. Mm-hmm. Get away from the memory and the and the visual clues to what happened and the trauma and and start to heal mm-hmm. but he moves to the young crew flat then he moves talks about moving to red bank and then talks about going back to the pub and doesn't know why going back to the pub might not be a great idea yeah for for someone who is supposedly so very smart he's an idiot 
Seriously. And we've said this a million times before. Yeah. For a supposed smart person, he, he sure is an idiot. Right. Yeah. He's book smart, but like the emotional maturity is just not there. Meanwhile, Ryan, I mean, he probably instigated this as much as Daisy did. Oh, no. Ryan totally instigated this. Remember, Daisy kept saying no. And Ryan kept saying to her, your no actually means yes. So I'm going to hound you until you sleep with me. <laughs> right. He was awful, too. She's hounded him before. But, but not for this. No. She was but, hounding him to get him off of, you know, wanking off in front of a camera and doing drugs. But this week she says to him as well about maybe staying is the best idea and all that sort of thing. Right. When he says to her about, does your head hurt when you spin around so many things because... Right. And she doesn't hear it in herself, too, because she's like, I'm not like that. Mm-hmm. But here... He at least finally seems to realise the the value of getting away from Weatherfield right. and going with Crystal, who right. for some reason, and maybe she says why, I don't know, some reason she sticks around and she's got him this job. Right. And if it doesn't work out in six months, then fine, but at least he's doing something that's kind of positive by, right. by closing that chapter and starting a new and one. And he's the one who says, we would never work. Right. You know, he's the one who says that, you know, so great. He got, he got what he wanted. He got to sleep with her and now it's over Right. because he got what he wanted. No, cheating is always bad, but it's worse when you're a woman. Let's keep an eye on Adam and Daniel here because the, the way that the two of them are at the moment is they're kind of fueling each other's misogyny here and yeah. it's, it's only going to get worse if those two are together friendly you know who i feel the worst for is simon he's served his purpose and now he's gone again <laughs> never saw again yeah oh well oh well <clears throat> well that was the week that was coronation street helen tell me you've known it for a while what was your moment of the week plat chat was it plat chat plat chat the mall standing be, in the kitchen. Yes, it can't be anything but plat chat. It was so funny. And like you said, Gail is so funny in that scene and she's not even in it. So it's not the big emotional drama. It's No. It's, it's plat chat. That is our moment of the week. Moment of the week. Your boring moment of the week. I don't really think it was Ken this week. I thought Ken actually was fairly sensible. And I don't think it was Daniel, and I probably don't think it was Adam either. You don't think it was Ken saying that that will be the best present Bertie's ever had? No, I don't think so. Is getting adopted when he doesn't even know that Daisy isn't his mum already? No. It might be Ruby with drums. <laughs> I don't want him to give it to Ruby. That's, no. That is, feels cruel. Is it... Is it um, is it Sam's triangle? Well, that's cruel as well. Yeah. Because we don't even get to hear it. Is it Gary hanging about just so he can kick a door in? <laughs> it's the only reason he turned up on set that day, so he could kick a door in. Yeah, because he's not in the show the rest of the week. Did he say anything? Did he have any lines? He had a couple of lines, I he think. Did, he did, because like, he had to ask Dev why he was outside. Right. Is it Dev forgetting his keys? 
Yeah, definitely got his keys. That's our boring moment of the week. There we go. It was actually a pretty good one this week. So when I'm asking you what your yeah. score out of 10 was, what'd you rank? Seven. Oh, a, a, a big improvement. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'd give it a seven, maybe a seven and a half. Yeah. I, re- I really enjoyed, I re- especially enjoyed Wednesday and Friday. I thought it was uh it was good stuff. It was good stuff this week. There was a, a nice little balance. Hmm. And even though the storylines weren't my top tier storylines, mm-hmm. I mean, we did get Eliza and Stu. Right. They were better versions they were of better, themselves. Yeah. So, yeah. And no bullying. No bullying, thank God. Thank God. And no um, shitting more on the Winter Browns this week. <laughs> right. So. Yeah. In that case, yeah, I think I'm giving that a seven and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I. It would be higher... If the show wasn't so misogynistic. <laughs> right. Do better. Hire more women. This episode was brought to you with thanks to our friends of the podcast. Daisy, French Helen, Pickles, DT, Trisha, Wendy, Noel, Canadian Helen, and Christy. If you've ever confused Kabuki with Bukaki. Oh, God. Why would you, ha- why would you bring that back up? That's callback of the week. Write into tells Right into tells about it. We're the talk. In fact, don't write into tells Please about don't. it. And certainly don't send in the images. No. We're the talk of the street at gmail.com and don't we're at Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Threads, and the Blue Sky. You can shout me and Helena Coffee or become a friend of the podcast Please. by heading to ko-fi.com. That's ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street. Check out the clicky clicky section of boggle.co.uk for links to our merch store and YouTube channel. And if you're so inclined, please leave a rating and a review on the iTunes or your podcast provider of choice. And be sure to check out our pop culture sister podcast, The List of Lists. Yeah, we are on vacation from The List of Lists at the moment. Still check it out. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode. And we will be back next week, maybe, with more. Talk of the Street. Talk of the Street. Bye. Cheerio.